Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to the final episode of the 1952-1953 season of the Jack Benny Show. Uh, tonight i got a few things to cover. Some little bit technical things at first that I think will benefit some of you so that you should know. Uh, the first thing is that the 1937-38 episode I aired on Saturday... I listened to after I aired it, because it was a classic podcast that I record the, recorded the beginning of a few years ago, uh, and I listened to the episode, and it was really quite staticky, and I thought, I think a better show exists than this, so I went and looked, and I found in my collection a much better copy, so uh, I fixed it, uh, but for people, if you downloaded it within the first few hours it was up, you've got the poorer quality version. So if you've got one that's about 15 meg in length, then you've got the less quality one. The quality one was about 30 meg in length, and, um, and I think you might enjoy that more. So you might want to swap that out if you've downloaded it. Uh, for last night's 1932-1933 episode with uh, King Kong and <laughs> The Shadow and uh, Sherlock Holmes, uh, that was fun. That was uh, the best presentation I've ever found of the episode. It was a little fast, so I sl slowed it down a little bit, and it sounded much better. Um, so I think that's probably the best presentation that episode's ever had. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed that. It's still a little hard to hear in spots. Uh, that brings us to tonight's episode. This is... I'm really thankful for this one. This episode is Jack in Venice and they redo this episode for television but I also think this episode was the impetus to in 1956 for Jack to create a series of episodes of him on vacation uh, we get the one in England, we get one in France one in Venice I think there's another one anyway, but those are kind of fun different episodes to watch and they're in the circulation I mean the syndication package that's out there um, can't remember which channel's playing it right now, but it's it's been playing for the last couple of years on various uh, channels. There's 104 different episodes, I think, that are in the package, so that's pretty cool. Oh, and exciting times. Uh, next week, I think, on the 18th, uh, is when the Shout Factory's um, uh, episodes of lost episodes of the Jack Benny Show that are not in any of the syndication packages or anything are being released. It's 18 episodes that no one's seen in years and years and years, 50 years, 60 years, whatever it is. Um, so I would highly recommend you get that. Some uh, great interviews. I'll be talking more about that as if my preview set arrives. It's supposed to arrive here anytime. And uh, I'll go through an episode by episode and give us a review. So uh, I'll create a link to the uh, page where you can order from Shout Factory Direct their copy. You get the bonus of getting um, Jack's uh, a bonus DVD of, of Jack's Horn Blows at Midnight television recreation, which is actually funnier and better than the movie, uh, from what I hear. So I will give you a review of that, too, when I get that. So uh, anyway, I would strongly recommend that. It's like $30. Um, well worth your money and supporting Shout Factory and hopefully releasing future editions as well. Um, 
So that takes care of tonight's episode. Great episode, like I say. Uh, I'll close out with this season with a letter by Frank that he sent to me, an email. And this is the sort of thing that just keeps me going and producing more shows because I realize people like them. Let's see. Frank says, This is just one of my periodical emails to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for providing these wonderful radio shows for all of us to enjoy. I know I must sound like a broken record with regard to this and previous emails, but these shows provide me with so much needed entertainment. I just can't stand the television or radio choices that are available today. My wife says, when you ride down our street, our house is the one in black and white. She's pretty funny. (laughs) I want to be uh, reminded of the important work you do. I want you to be reminded of the important work you do. You make people like me happy, you make us laugh, and you enhance our quality of life with the decent, clean shows that were the norm during America's golden age. I work hard, and many do, and I can look forward to a lunchtime or my ride to and from work to relax and enjoy the best that our entertainment industry ever had to offer. I know I will never, probably never meet you since we are on opposite coasts, but I will call you my friend because... Only a friend is consistently invited into my home or my car for a shared guffaw or side-splitting laugh. Thanks. Sincerely, your friend Frank. Um, Frank, you are a saint. (laughs) Thank you so much for the wonderful, kind words. They do keep me going. This time of year is always kind of difficult, ending the school year, and at the same time trying to keep up the quality of the podcast. So uh, uh, getting... Emails like this really keep me going. Anyone else who wants to send me an email, it's uh, buckbennyotr at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Uh, What a great season of Jack this has been. Uh, Better than I thought it was going to be. I've told you before, I didn't listen to this season originally when I was originally listening to the Jack Benny shows because I just listened to all the um, Phil Harris episodes. Kind of saving these seasons for later. I heard they weren't quite as good as previous seasons, but they, this has been a great season. So uh, we'll see you again for more Jack Benny next year to continue on uh, where the season left off. We will also, of course, have more Jack Benny in the upcoming weeks because the other seasons that we are 1948, 1936, I mean 1930, uh, 33 season um, go for a few more weeks so we'll bring all of those to you and I hope you've all enjoyed these podcasts and enjoy one last evening with Jack Benny for the 1952-53 season Um, enjoy we'll see you next time the Jack Benny program transcribed and presented by Lucky Strike you know friends nothing no nothing beats better taste and remember, Lucky tastes better, cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky tastes better, cleaner, fresher, smoother. For Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, richer tasting, fine tobacco. Lucky tastes better, cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky Strike, Lucky Strike. This is Don Wilson. Tell me, have you smoked a fresh cigarette lately? You have if you've smoked a Lucky Strike. For Luckies are definitely fresher, and it takes real freshness to bring you deep-down smoking enjoyment. To prove that to yourself, just light up a Lucky. You'll find that Luckies taste better, not only fresher, but cleaner and smoother, too. 
That's because they're made of fine, light, naturally mild tobacco. And because they're made better, every Lucky is made round and firm and fully packed to draw freely and smoke evenly. And every pack of Luckies is extra tightly sealed to bring you that fine tobacco flavor in all its freshness. So be happy. Go Lucky. Get the better taste you want in a cigarette and get it fresh. Program starring Jack Benny with Barry Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, the Sports Report, Dad, and yours truly, <laughs> And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the last time this season, we bring you a man who for the past 39 weeks has either entertained or bored you with his comedy. Hmm... A man who many of you will hate to see leave the air, and an equal number will jump for joy. Don, look. So here he is, folks. A man the whole world is anxious to hear, but on the other hand... Never mind. Jack Benny, applause. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny who thrills or nauseates you, as the case may be, talking. And just think, Don, this is the last time this season you'll be putting your blue-eyed boss on the pan. Oh, that's right, Jack. Time certainly flies. It sure does. What a season I've had. Radio every week, television once a month, stage appearances. Gosh, Don, I'm so exhausted I can hardly stand up. If I didn't have starch in my underwear, I'd fall right off. <laughs> What a season. Gosh, Don, remember that show we did in San Diego and then that weekend we spent in Tijuana? Huh? Oh, speaking of Tijuana, Jack, didn't you borrow $5 from me during our visit there? And then there was that wonderful time we had in New York and Boston. I said, didn't you borrow $5 from me during our visit to Tijuana? And then the three weeks we just spent in San Francisco. Gosh, what a city. I said, didn't you borrow $5 from me in Tijuana? Yes, and as soon as I get some Mexican money, I'll pay you back. <laughs> I never saw it. Oh, hello, Mary. Am I glad to see you? Hello, Jack. What are you yelling at Don for? Well, in the first place, I didn't like the introduction he gave me. Let me ask you something, Mary. Do I bore people? Certainly. Who said you didn't? <laughs> Nobody said I didn't. I mean, Don said I did. Oh. By the way, Mary, what are you planning to do this summer? Well, my sister babe is coming to visit me, and we're going to spend a couple of weeks at Catalina. Oh, that's nice. You'll both get a good tan. I'll get a tan. Babe dived for abalone. <laughs> oh, yes. With her feet, she doesn't need swim pins. <laughs> oh, hello, Dennis. Hello. Say, Mr. Benny, this being our last program, how, uh, I... Uh, how do you feel, kid? Oh, I'm doing as well as can be expected. What do you mean? Well, who expects anything of me? <laughs> Nobody, believe me. Now, what were you going to ask me, Dennis? Well, this being our last program, I thought I'd ask you for the $10 you owe me. What $10? Don't you remember? You said if I loan you $10, you'd take me to the burlesque show. Dennis, I never took you to a burlesque show. I know. After I gave you the money, you told me I was too young to see it. <laughs> 
Oh, that's right. Well, I'll give you the ten after the show, kid. Now, how about your singing your song, huh? Okay. Oh, hold a second, Dennis. When I got here, there was a message for me to call Rochester. I better do it before I forget. It may be important. That's okay. Go right ahead. Say, Mabel, what is it, Gaston? <laughs> Mr. Benny's line is switching. Yeah, I wonder what head of wax wants now. <laughs> Let him wait. Say, Gertrude, I saw you come in with a lot of packages. Were you shopping? Yeah, and my feet are killing me. But it's my own fault for buying such small shoes. Well, what size did you get? Nine. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sakes. What's the matter? Getting your foot in a size nine shoe is like docking the Queen Mary in a lily cup. <laughs> well, look who's talking. Get a load of your shoes. Well, they're not so big. They're not? Last year when we went on our vacation, every hotel we stopped at pasted labels on them. <laughs> well, it's a natural mistake because my shoes are genuine cowhide. Cowhide? Yeah. From the way your toes stick out, it looks like milking time. Gertrude, <laughs> the next time you talk to me like that, I'll tell you I'm Operator, just gonna... operator. Yes, Mr. Benny. Well, it's about time, Gertrude. Didn't you hear me buzzing? Yeah, but I've only got two hands. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Now, if it isn't asking too much, will you ring my house? Yes, sir. You know, Mabel, I never saw a man like Mr. Benny. He has such a split personality. On the radio, he's one type of person, and in real life, he's an entirely different type of person. Yeah, and I don't like either one of them. <laughs> you know what you mean. That man is such a pest. Every time we're out together, all he wants to do is go up on Mulholland Drive and look down at the lights of the city. Well, that's romantic. Romantic nothing. He owns stock in the electric company. <laughs> Ooh, how he hates daylight savings. <laughs> Operator, you get my house? Yeah, but the line is busy. I'll call you later. Thank you. Dennis. Dennis, I couldn't get Rochester, so you better sing your number. Okay, but I'm warning you, it's the last time this season. Sing! Sing already. <laughs> I get lonely 
myself, and very good, too, Dennis. Thank you, Mr. Benny, and before I go on my vacation, I'd like to take this opportunity to tell you how much I enjoyed working with you the past 39 weeks, and I'll be looking forward to being with you again in the fall. Well, Dennis, that's, that's very sweet of you. So long, Mr. Benny. Dennis, the show isn't over yet. What's your hurry? I can't stand it here any longer. <laughs> Dennis! Dennis, come! Oh, let him go. What a silly kid. I ought to call oh, him back. Oh, Jack, Jack, forget it. After all, it is our last show of the season. I can't help it, Mary. Nobody on this show has any respect for me. Bob Crosby's the only one I can get a civil answer from. Oh, Bob. Bob, come over here. You called me, sir? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Bob. You see Mary Sir yet? Okay. Well, Bob, you've finished your first season, and you've worked for me for 39 weeks now. How do you feel? Hungry, sir. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, Bob. Are you trying to infer that, that I don't pay you enough? Well, Jack, you might not believe this, but I had a better year in 1943. Who were you with then? The Marines. <laughs> the Marines? Yeah, you're not the first one that I've said sir to. <laughs> oh, that's telling him, Bob. Be quiet, Mary. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, stop. By the way, Bob, what are you going to do this summer? Well, I'm waiting for my brother Bang to end his season, and he and I are going to Catalina for the summer. Oh, say so you'll both get good tan. Bing, well, I dive for abalone. <laughs> oh. Well, if a big fish swims by, say hello at maybe my sister Babe. <laughs> yes, yes, for me, too. By the way, Jack, I meant to ask you, who's going to be our summer replacement? Well, starting next Sunday at this same time and on the same stations, Lucky Strike will present Guy Lombardo. Who? Guy, Guy, Guy Lombardo. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was Sammy the drummer doing the boom boom. We woke him up just for that. You know? uh, say, Jack. Excuse me. Hello? I've reached your house, Mr. Benny. You may go ahead. Thank you. Hello? Oh, is that you, boss? Oh, yes, Rochester. I got the message to call you. What's up? I've got a big surprise for you, boss. I meant to tell you last night, but you were asleep when I got home. What is it, Rochester? I'm going to get married. <laughs> married? Yeah, you know how long Cuba's been shooting those arrows at me? Yes. Well, last night he hit me with a secret weapon. <laughs> 
get married, eh, Rochester? Well, tell me all about it. How did it happen? Well, the night before last, I went to a party, and there she was. I met her at 10.40, and at 10.45, we were engaged. Well, that's pretty fast, isn't it, Rochester? You only knew her five minutes. Well, it's amazing what you can do when you meet someone if you don't waste time shaking hands. <laughs> This must have been love at first sight. I never heard you talk this way before. Oh, yeah, boss. She's beautiful. Really? Describe her to me, Rochester. Well, boss, have you ever seen the sun as it sinks majestically into the waters of the tranquil Pacific? Yes. Well, put a sweater on it and that's her. <laughs> you know, Rochester, I feel a little sad about this. You've been with me all these years, and now you're going to get a wife and... Set up housekeeping for yourself. Oh, no, Mr. Benny, don't look at it that way. What do you mean? You ain't losing a butler, you're gaining a cook. <laughs> well, right now, I sure could use one. Anyway, good luck, Rochester. I hope you'll be very happy. Thanks, boss. Goodbye. Goodbye. That Rochester's going to get married. Oh, well. Pardon me, Mr. Benny. I realize that I won't be seeing you until next fall. That's three months, so I decided to come back. And you want to apologize? No, I want my $10. Dennis, I told you I'd give you the money. Now sit down and be quiet. What an ungrateful bunch. I'll be glad to start my vacation. Say, where are you going to spend the summer, Jack? I don't know. I'd like to go to London, maybe then go to Paris, Rome, Venice, you know. Jack, you wouldn't go to Venice after what happened the last time we were there. Well, what happened, Jack? Mary, it's not such a big thing. Well, I'm going to tell it anyway. Well, we were touring Europe, and we'd been in Paris, and then from Paris we went to Rome. Oh. And while in Rome, we decided to go to Venice. Oh, boy, I'll bet those canals in Venice must be fascinating. Oh, they're wonderful, Bob. Anyway, we arrived at night and checked into the Grandinelli Hotel, and the next morning I met Jack in the lobby. Jack, did you get the tickets for the sightseeing tour? Yes, Mary, and the gondola will leave in a few minutes. Oh, Signor Bani. Yes? I am the belle captain. Hmm? The gondola for the sightseeing tour, she will be uh, ready to leave. Are we getting a nice gondola? Oh, very nice. Uh, there is one that leaves in an hour, but uh, that one is more expensive. Why? On that gondola, the singer is Mario Lanza. <laughs> oh, that's where he's working. <laughs> I must tell Dory. Well, come on, Mary. Gosh, Jack, what a thrill. You know, this is the first time I've ever been in a gondola. Yeah, I didn't know it helped so many people. I'm sure glad we came out on the sightseeing tour. Oh, Jack, the guide is getting up to point out the places of interest. Yeah, come on, Mary, let's get closer to him. So many interesting things in Venice. I don't want to miss a word he says. Excuse me. Excuse me. Jack, you're close enough to him. What'd he say? What'd he say? Huh? What'd he say? What'd he say? What'd he say? Huh? What'd he say? Huh? What'd he say? 
What do you say? Se l'ho fatto, se lo rompo il naso, è mia famiglia, e ancora mi pesi in piedi. What do you say? What do you say? Jack. Just a minute, Mary. Say, mister, mister, do you understand Italian? Oh, yes, I do. Oh, good, good. What did he say? He said you're standing on his foot. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'll step back. Jack! <laughs> Mary! <laughs> Mary! Oh, miss, shall I help you get him back into the boat, or, or did you push him? <laughs> please, will you please help me? Here, here, Jack, take my hand. Easy does it now. There we are. <coughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, mister. Oh, boy, am I wet. What'd he say? What'd he say, huh? What'd he say? He said you're dripping on his leg. <laughs> well, if he thinks I'm going to step back again, he's crazy. <laughs> say, wait a minute. Aren't you Jack Benny? Yes. Io sono più grande artista che il mondo sono visto. Well, now, wait a minute. I thought you couldn't speak Italian. Uh, what did he say? He said he was one of the greatest comedians in the world. <laughs> that he can say in Chinese. Two hang, one pull. Oh, <laughs> Mary, please. No, noi abbiamo il piatto che famoso perché là cante le gondolieri. What did he say? What did he say? Uh, he said we are now approaching the plaza, which is famous throughout the world for its singing gondoliers. Oh, yes. Look. See, all those people sitting out on the pier. Where else would you see anything like this? Wasn't Mary? Yeah, it certainly was. You better sit down. Our gondola's starting to move again. 
gosh, I wouldn't have missed this trip for anything. It's so picturesque here in Venice. Oh, Jack, look at those signs along the side of the canal. Signs? Yeah, I'll see if I can read them as we pass. Prendera un punta de uno que conozco. Talia tua Barbara, manan tua naso. Burma shave. <laughs> Where does it say Burma Shave? On that last sign. Bermada Radera. That's Burma Shave. Bermada Radera means Burma Shave? Holy smoke. I, I better learn what these Italian words mean. Why? I had that on my strawberries this morning. <laughs> and I liked it. I liked it. I'll just have... Jack, Jack, sit down. You're rocking the gondola, and we're getting into heavy traffic. Yeah, just look at all those gondolas going in every direction. It's a wonder they don't bump into each other. <laughs> what was that? Well, it's that man sitting over there in that little boat. He used to work for the traffic department. What's the matter with him? He went crazy trying to paint a white line down the middle of the canal. Well, that is a problem. Why didn't he try watercolors? Are you sure you didn't push him? Of course not. Now help me get him in the boat. Okay. No, no, no. Don't grab him by the hair. <laughs> here. Uh, Jack, here's my hand. <coughs> These boats are too narrow. What do you mean, too narrow? You even fell off the lurling. <laughs> Only one. <laughs> Gee, I'm cold. I think I... I... I, I, achoo, fraturarum coscia. Thank you. He said break a leg. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds so nice in Italian. Jack, look, why don't you just sit down and enjoy the ride like everybody else? Okay, but gee, I'm so wet. Well, it's your own fault. Signore e signori, noi passiamo il famoso americano riunione spazio in Venezia. Uh, the guy just pointed out the famous American rendezvous in Venice called Harry's Bar. Oh, yes, yes, I've heard of that. That's where all the Americans in Venice come for cocktails. Oh, we must go there, Jack. And say, Mary, Mary, did I tell you the wonderful joke I made up about Frankie Remley? I'm going to do it on our first broadcast next season. Look, you're on a vacation. Forget Joe. No, 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 Mary. This will be sensational. Oh, on the program will be great. Now, get this. I'm going to say that when we were in Venice, Frank Remley went into Harry's bar and sat down at a table with one of the natives. Remley took a drink, and then the native took a drink. Then Remley took another drink, and the native took another drink. They kept drinking and drinking till the native couldn't see anymore. Ha, 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 ha,
Remley is the first guy in the world ever to drink a Venetian blind. <laughs> Mary! Mary, don't you get it? Venetian... Here, miss, I'll help you. Never mind. This time I pushed him. <laughs> Mary! <laughs> Mary! Mary, you made up the whole thing. That's not what happened in Venice. Now, Jack, I didn't exaggerate at all. That's exactly what it... Oh, wait a minute. Hello? Hello, boss. I got some more news for you. What is it now, Rochester? The wedding's off. I ain't gonna get married. Why? What happened? My girl ran off and married another fella. Oh, she didn't love you, eh? Oh, no. She loved me, boss, but she married for money. Oh, this other fella's rich? No, but he's got some. <laughs> All right, Rochester. So we won't have a cook. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Jack will be back in just a moment, but first a word to cigarette smokers. Nothing, no, nothing beats better taste. And remember... Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. For Lucky's strike me. Find tobacco richer tasting. Find tobacco. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky strike. Lucky strike. In spite of all you hear about cigarette smoking today, one basic truth remains. It's the taste of a cigarette that counts. Nothing, no nothing, beats better taste. And Lucky's taste better, cleaner, fresher, smoother. There are good reasons for it. Lucky's are made better to taste better. Made round and firm and fully packed to draw freely and smoke evenly. Naturally, that will give you a better smoke. Then, too, better taste in a cigarette must begin with the tobacco. And LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Fine, light, mild tobacco with its own wonderful aroma and a taste that's even better. So remember, friends, only fine tobacco in a better-made cigarette can give you Lucky's better taste. And only better taste can give you the real deep-down smoking enjoyment you want. So be happy. Go Lucky. Next time, ask for a carton of Lucky Strike. Be happy. Go Lucky. Get better taste today. Ladies and gentlemen, since this is the last show of the season, I want to take this opportunity on behalf of my entire cast, my sponsors, the American Tobacco Company, to thank you for listening, and I hope you'll all be with us again when we resume broadcasting September 13th. In the meantime, starting next week, tune in at the same time, and you will hear Guy, Guy, Guy Lombardo. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Jack Benny program is written by Sam Perrin, Milt Josephsberg, George Balter, John Tackerberry, Al Gordon, Al Goldman, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks. 
starting next Sunday at this same time and on this same station, Lucky Strike will present Guy Lombardo time. Tune in to hear Guy and the Royal Canadians play your favorite tunes each week until Jack Benny returns in the fall. And every Thursday over this same station, be sure to hear The American Way with Horace Height for Lucky Strike. The Jack Benny program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. This is the CBS Radio Network. RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, presents Transcribe, the Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show. For your enjoyment, here is the Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Sharp in his music, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. June is the month for weddings. Love is in the air, and today Phil is called upon to play Cupid in reverse. More about that later. First, a word from RCA Victor. You may think you keep a close check on your money, but do you know how much you have in your pocket right now? Don't look, take a guess. Now go ahead and check. How far off were you, 25 or 30 cents? Well, for as little as that every day, you can buy the finest television there is. RCA Victor, you'd never miss the money. New RCA Victor television is priced as low as $199.95. And every RCA Victor has the automatic magic monitor, an exclusive circuit system that automatically brings in and holds the finest pictures possible. The magic monitor automatically screens out interference, automatically steps up power, and automatically ties the clearest picture to the best sound. Ask your dealer about his particular easy payment plan. How, after a small down payment, it may take only pennies a day to own America's most advanced TV. RCA Victor Television with the Magic Monitor. Here's another good reason for owning an RCA Victor. America's only coast-to-coast factory organization for expert installation and maintenance is available exclusively to owners of RCA Victor Television. The RCA factory service contract is one more reason why every year more people buy RCA Victor than any other television. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Last night, Elliot Lewis's friend Grogan got Elliot a blind date. The date turned out to be Grogan's sister. It must have been quite an evening because as we look in, we find Grogan trying to soothe his sobbing sister. <laughs> oh, please, sis, don't cry. Oh, Rosie, stop crying, will you? I can't stand to see my baby sister in tears, will you? Will you please stop crying? <laughs> Quit your boiling or I'll belt you one. <laughs> better. Now, Rosie, tell me what is bothering you. Rodney, I got a beef. <laughs> I had trouble with that Elliot. Ooh, what a tiny Jimmy. Wait a minute, did, did he get fresh with you? Did he, did he put his arm around you? Did he, did he try to kiss you? What happened? Tell me what happened. Nothing. That's my beef. <laughs> Rodney, I like this guy you introduced me to, but he ignored me. 
what's wrong with me? Ain't I attractive? <laughs> yeah, of course you're attractive, and there ain't nothing wrong with you. You're just like any other woman. Do you honestly think so? Well, you're close enough so they can't tell a difference. <laughs> Sis, don't jump to conclusions. How do you know that Elliot ain't nuts about you? I got a feeling. Last night when I was out with him, something kept telling me he didn't like me. What kept telling you? He did. <laughs> Toward the end of the evening, I got the feeling he was trying to get rid of me. What made you think that? Well, he took me to a cocktail bar and slipped me a Mickey. He give my innocent little kid sister a Mickey? Well, what happened to you, Rosie? I liked it. <laughs> I wanted three more. It's an amusing little drink. <laughs> now, Rodney, this Elliot guy is very nice, just and minute, I... Just, just a minute there. How many times have I told you that when you are talking to me, put your lower plate in? <laughs> I don't like it. What do you mean, you don't like it? I went to a lot of trouble to get you them teeth. I heisted them from the richest old lady in Pasadena. Come on, put them in. All right, all right, I'll put them in. All right. Now then, sis, go ahead, tell me more about Elliot. Well, we left the cop... You can take them out. You see, I told you it was better without them. Look, uh, look, sis. Uh, maybe you ought to forget this, Elliot. No, I can't forget him. He's my kind of guy. Well, then you shall have him. Now, how would you like to marry Elliot? No, I'd love to, but I don't think I can trust him. What do you mean? Well, when he took me home last night, he kissed me. So what is wrong with that? But any guy who kissed me would kiss anybody. <laughs> don't let that bother you. When he marries you, he ain't gonna kiss nobody else. I will see to that. Now then, uh... Let's make preparations for the wedding. We want to do this high class, you know? So the first thing you do is, uh, Rosie, you go over to his house and tell him he's going to get married. Rodney, I just met the man last night. It ain't ladylike for me to chase him. Besides, he ain't home. How do you know? <laughs> I've been over to his place at 7 o'clock this morning to ask for another date. I knocked on his door, but there was no answer. Maybe he didn't knock long enough. I knocked until 10 o'clock. <laughs> and then my knuckles started bleeding, so I had to... <laughs> and I've been calling him ever since, but there's still no answer. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I think I know whose house he might be at. Mm -hmm. I will go over and tell him he's going to get married. But suppose he says no. Who's going to ask him? But, Rodney, it takes two to make a marriage. We got two, you and me. <laughs> we both want it, and that's all we need. 
I'll go over and get Elliot and meet you down at City Hall. In the meantime, you get ready. Where is your wedding dress? I'm wearing it. That's a house coat you're wearing. It's reversible. <laughs> On the other side, it's a veil. Elliot, pull yourself together, kid, and tell me what happened. Oh, Curly, I had a horrible experience last night. Well, you must have. You've been here ten minutes and you haven't stopped shaking. What were you drinking last night? Nothing. I didn't touch a drop all night. That is a horrible experience. <laughs> you got a right to shake. Oh, don't be a funny man. Well, why are you shaking, Elliot? Well, I'll tell you, Alice, you're more understanding. Last night, I had a blind date. With what? I'm not sure yet. <laughs> Who was your blind date? Grogan's sister. Curly, did you ever see his sister? No, I didn't know he had one. I've seen him around town with his brother, though. He's a short, fat guy with a bull neck and a crew haircut. That's his sister. Well, he sounds like he's a charming creature. Yeah, she's awful. And to think I took her to dinner, then the theater, and then a nightclub. Ooh, what a waste of three dollars. <laughs> I'm almost sorry I kissed her goodnight. Well, Elliot, if she was such a beast, why did you kiss the girl? When I spend $3 on a date, I'd kiss a camel. <laughs> and this one came pretty close. <laughs> Wish she'd stop chasing me. Oh, what makes you think she's chasing you? She came over to my house at 7 o'clock this morning and started banging on the door asking for another date. I have a sneaking suspicion this dame wants to marry me. Well, what are you worrying about? Her brother, Grogan, that's what I'm worried about. Forget him. If you don't want to marry this girl, you don't have to. You keep your cotton-picking mouth out of there. <laughs> Elliot, I have come to tell you the good news. My sister has decided to accept your proposal of marriage. What proposal? I never proposed to her. A mere technicality. <laughs> we'll talk about that when you get back from your honeymoon. Now... Uh, come on, let's get going My sister's waiting for you at the city hall Yeah, wait a minute, Grogan You can't rush me into marriage now, Hold it, Grogan You can't force him to marry your sister I ain't forcing him Actually, the marriage ceremony took place last night This is just a civil ceremony to keep the state happy What are you talking about? There was no ceremony last night Oh, my, my, my You have got a short memory Do you remember taking my sister out to dinner last night And ordering two steaks, hmm? Yeah Mm-hmm and when my sister said, Elliot, do you want me to pass the ketchup? What did you say? I said, I do. That was the ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it must have been a beautiful wedding. Sorry I wasn't there. Now, come on, let's get down to the city hall. You can't make Elliot marry your sister. Then how would you like to marry her? She'll take anything. Now, <laughs> uh, wait a minute. Your sister can't marry Phil? How about me? Well, no, she wants a man, but thanks anyway. <laughs> no, we, we'll leave it the way it was. After all, Elliot, you are the one who kissed my sister, so you are the one who should marry her. Oh, do you want to argue some more? Oh, no, 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 no. Good, good, then let's get going. Oh, uh, well, wait a minute. I don't think you should go along, Grogan. 
a young lovers should be alone at such a tender moment in their lives. Mm, yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. All right, you go alone. You meet my sister and marry oh, her. Oh, sure, sure. Don't even think about it anymore. We'll be married. A word of advice. Mm-hmm. I am going to buy the paper later. And if your name ain't in tonight's wedding column, it'll be in tomorrow's obituary column. <laughs> you may not see it, but it'll be there. And on that happy note, I bid you adieu. He ain't kidding. I'm in a spot. I'm going to have to marry his sister. Well, marry her, marry her. Marriage isn't so terrible. Elliot, I think it's wonderful that you're going to get married. And as a personal favor, I'll sing at your wedding. I can hardly wait. Oh, well, in that case, I'll do it right now. Comes along so unexpected Makes you feel so disconnected Comes along a love Comes along a love Suddenly, brother, are you happy and excited? Comes along a love Suddenly every dream you've had becomes invited Comes along a love Suddenly every dream you've had becomes ignited You just begin to live Comes along a love Comes along a love Comes along a love Suddenly though you never sang You're always singing Comes along a love Comes along a love Suddenly chimes you never heard before keep ringing Comes along a love Comes along a love Suddenly night and day your heart is Silent and flinging. You love, you stay, you live, comes along a lot. I don't care how blue your feet now. You sparkle and you bubble. See each blue bird double. Comes along a love, suddenly fatty things no longer seem to face you. Comes along a love, suddenly everyone around you seems to praise you. Comes along a love, suddenly you discover things that just amaze you. You just begin to live, comes along a love. I don't care how blue you're feeling now. You sparkle and you bubble. Comes along a love, suddenly petty little things no longer phase you. Comes along a love, comes along a love, suddenly everyone around you seems to come along a love. Comes along a love, suddenly you discover things that just amaze you. You just, you just begin to live and really love the day you live. Comes along a How did you like that, Elliot? How can you be so heartless? How can you stand there and sing while my little pink body is being thrown to the lions? <laughs> well, I'm not going to stand for it. I'm not going to be forced into this marriage. Well, how are you going to get out of it? Grogan's very insistent. I'll go someplace where Grogan can't find me. That's it. I'll run away. You're going to run away just to keep from being married? Why? Because I know what marriage does to a man. He has no more freedom. His wife watches him like a hawk. He can't stay out with the boys all night. He can't stop at a bar for a drink when he feels like it. He can't even look at another girl. And if I run away, I'll be free to do all those things. That's why I'm leaving. Will I get my hat? I'll go with you. <laughs> you take one step toward that hat rack and you're a dead drummer. 
Hey, see what I mean, Curly? Well, Elliot, you're right about one thing. You shouldn't be forced into marriage. But running away isn't going to solve it. There's, there's an easier way out. How? You can kill yourself. <laughs> no, I don't think you should deprive Grogan of that pleasure. Will you stop it? How am I going to get out of this? It's too bad you're not already married. If you could show up at City Hall with a wife, then Grogan's sister wouldn't want you. How can I show up with a wife when I don't have a... a, a... Wait a minute. I got the answer. Curly, can I borrow your wife for a couple of days? <laughs> Are you crazy or something? You want me to loan you my wife? I'll give you collateral. I'll leave my gold elk's tooth with you. See, that way you're not taking any chances. If I don't bring your wife back, you get to keep the tooth. What do you say, Curly? I don't think so. I don't sublet Alice very often. Hey, Alice, won't you please do this for me? All it'll take is about 15 minutes and it'll get me out of a spot. Well, if it'll get you out of a spot, I, I guess I can do it. Alice, Alice, don't do it. Oh, but, Phil, all I'm going to do is be his wife for 15 minutes. Now, what harm can it do? With him, you never can tell. <laughs> if you're going to be his wife, I'm going to be there, too. But, Curly, you'll spoil the whole thing. How am I going to explain you to Rose? Just tell her that I'm, uh, that I'm, that, that I'm Alice's brother. Oh, all right. Come along, wifey dear. These relatives of yours certainly get my hair. Well, there's a city hall right across the street, but I don't see no girl. Where's Grogan's sister? Rosie must be here someplace. You'll recognize her when you see her. She's short and squat. Oh, there she is, standing next to the fire hydrant. I don't want to be indelicate, Elliot, but which is which? Let's not be unkind to the girl. Her shape's not quite that bad. The one on the left is the fire hydrant. No, it must be Rosie. It just moved. I imagine a lot of cars get tickets for parking in front of her. You see somebody driving up. Fellas, why don't you stop it? I don't think she's unattractive at all. I feel a little sorry for the girl, and I don't know if I should go through with it. No, Alice, I... you promised you can't back out. Look, just give me a minute with her, and as soon as you hear me say I'm married, you break in and tell her you're my wife. All right. Yeah, and lay it on good. I don't want any doubt in her mind that we're husband and wife. All right, here I go. My cheating heart. <laughs> It now can sleep. I'm gonna get rid of this little creep. Oh, hello, Rosie. Elliot, you showed up for that wedding. <laughs> See, isn't it wonderful what love and my brothers can do to a man? Well, let's go in and get hitched. Well, wait a minute, Rosie. You sure you want to get married? Are you kidding? I dream of orange blossoms so much I sleep with a smudge pot at the foot of my bed. But, Rosie, you shouldn't rush into this. After all, you don't know anything about me. Why do I have to know anything about you? All I'm doing is marrying you. 
I'm not buying a used car or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, Elliot, you'll be so happy together. But, Rosie... We'll have our own little cottage in the country. But I and can't... And then after a year or two, we'll hear the sound of little feet running around the house. Well, as long as it's just feet and no babies, okay. <laughs> My wife wouldn't object to that. You what? My wife. Uh, that's what I've been trying to tell you. I'm married. Well, if it isn't Elliot, my husband. Oh, Elliot, my husband. How can you do this to me, your wife? I'm the woman you married 12 years ago, and we've been living together ever since as husband and wife. Elliot, what's she trying to say? <laughs> oh, we're going to have trouble with this kid. <laughs> Look, miss, these two are married. Who are you all of a sudden? Fair question <laughs> I'm What do you got in your mouth? Beer caps? Never mind that Never mind that Who are you? I'm the brother of this woman Who is the wife of this man Which makes him her husband Do you get it? No, but you're sweet <laughs> Look, miss, I'm trying to tell you Elliot can't marry you because he's already married This is his wife I understand, I understand It's all right with me You don't mind? Why should I when I got you, big girl? <laughs> you got who all the time? <laughs> Kelly, you're just my type. You'd make a wonderful husband. I'd make a wonderful wife. <laughs> Look, hold it. Look, you're a nice kid, but I can't marry you. Why not? There's nothing to stop us. After all, I'm unattached. We'll get somebody else to put you together. <laughs> I don't want the job. But I'd make you a wonderful wife. I'm a good cook, now, and I minute, can... wait a minute, wait a minute. This has gone far enough, Rosie. You can't marry Phil. Why not? Because he's my husband. Say, are you married to everybody? <laughs> you grab him faster than the draft gets him. Make <laughs> up your mind, Blondie. Which one are you married to? All right, Elliot, you tell her. Yeah, but Curly... I said tell her. All right. Rosie... I guess the time has come to tell you the truth. Alice only pretended to be married to both of us. She really isn't. She's just married to me. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot. Sir, would you mind stepping around the corner with me? Why, certainly. What's on your mind, Curly? Look, what are you trying to do? Now, go back there and tell that dame that Alice is my wife. But she isn't. You loaned Alice to me for 15 minutes, and my time isn't up yet. <laughs> Look, Curly, you got to play along with me. As soon as she finds out I'm not married, I'm dead. <laughs> Curly, I got the solution. Rosie thinks Alice is my wife, so all we got to do is get you another wife. Oh, that's all I need, another wife. Curly, all I want to do is get you a new wife for an hour or I don't two. want to, but... Who you got in mind? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Find your wife who's young and attractive. And... Hiya, fellas. What are you doing around City Hall? Hi, kid. I... Curly, here's the answer to our problem. Julius. This is a wife? 
I'd rather be married to Peter Lorre. No, 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 no. You don't need a wife now. Julius is going to be your son. What are you driving at? Don't you see? You go around the corner and talk to Rosie. Then Julius comes along and he says, Hello, Dad. Mother is waiting at home for you. This not only implies you're married, but that you have a son, too. What do you think of the idea? I think it's good. I think it's great. I think it stinks. <laughs> Julius, you wouldn't say that if you knew what we were talking about. My boy... I'm going to confer a great honor upon you. I'm going to become your father. You're willing to do that for little me? Oh, bring me clothes, Mother. I'm on my way to heaven. <laughs> All right, kid, control yourself. I can't. You don't know what this does to me. It's got me little insides in a turmoil. Me head is reeling, me heart is pounding, and me stomach is... Oh, am I sick? <laughs> Will you stop carrying on like that? I only want to do one thing, become your father. Stop making him indecent proposals. <laughs> Look, kids, all we're going to do is pretend you're his son. You see, there's a girl around the corner who thinks Mr. Harris is single, and she wants to marry him. That's right, and if we don't convince this girl that I'm already married, she's going to marry me, and I'll be in trouble. Oh, I wouldn't want you to be in trouble. What do you want me to do? Look, I'm going around the corner and talk to her. When you hear me say I have a son, you come in and say, well, if it isn't my dear old dad, and then say that mother wants me right away. Have you got it? Got it. Go ahead. I'll be right back here. Good. Oh, this is going to work. I'll get rid of this dame in no time. I'll just... Oh, hello, Rosie. It's about time you got back. Where you been? Getting a beer or something? Well, I'm sorry to keep you waiting. Well, stop yapping and let's get hitched. Now, wait a minute, Rosie. There's a reason why I can't marry you. Mm -hmm. You see, I have a son. <laughs> I said, I have a son. I hate you. <laughs> but he didn't. I say, I have... Oh, here he comes now. Hello, son. Well, if it ain't me, dear old Dud. That's Dad. <laughs> oh, my now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, little boy. Did I hear you call him Dad? That's right. I'm it. How'd she get hurt? <laughs> You'll get used to her after a while. Oh, see, this is why I can't marry. You see, I have a wife, and she must be expecting me any moment now. Julius, you have a message from me from Mother, don't you? Nope. <laughs> Pull yourself together. <laughs> now, let's try it again. Julius, is your mother waiting at home for me? Yeah, and she wants to see you right away. About what? She wants to show you the divorce she got from you today. Divorce? Yeah, now you're free to marry anybody you please. You can pick any girl you want, and how about Mushmouth here? I accept. Phil will be back in just a moment. Your mealtime problem, like that of most homemakers, is to come up with new menus for your family, to take the humdrum routine out of three meals every day. An RCA Estate gas or electric range will solve your problem. See how the new RCA Estate coaxes exciting new flavors from familiar foods with new modern cooking methods. The Hideaway Gridall grills whole meals in minutes, drains off fats for better health and better flavor. 
the special radiant heat barbecuer meat oven gives meats real charcoal done goodness. The exclusive balanced heat bake oven banishes hot and cold spots and baking failures. Before you buy, see all the years ahead features of the RCA Estate Range. It's used by the noted authority on good eating, Duncan Hines, because it grills, bakes, barbecues, and does it all at the same time. Look up your RCA estate dealer in the yellow pages of your phone book. Let him show you these new RCA estate ranges, gas or electric. This is Phil again. Better public understanding of the fine abilities of trained and properly placed handicapped workers is essential to assure that those persons are placed in jobs where their abilities can be utilized. Employees are requested to take advantage of the skills available in the handicapped by calling the state vocational rehabilitation agencies. Thank you and good night. Good night, everybody. Included in this program transcribed were Rosemarie and Sheldon Leonard. The part of Julius was played by Walter Tetley. Phil? Yeah, honey? That calendar in the kitchen, did you put it there as some kind of practical joke? What do you mean? All the months are the same. Every one of them is May. Oh, oh, of course, honey. With the new RCA room air conditioner, every month in the year is May. Haven't you noticed? The air is always cool and fresh and moisture-free. Just like spring. Hot weather just doesn't bother to come around. It's spring all year round. Mm, you're right, Phil. I noticed crocuses blooming in the living room. Crocuses nothing. Those are orchids. Orchids? Orchids to the new RCA room air conditioner. Next. Here, Theater Guild on the air, over NBC. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1932-1933 season. This episode uh, starts a series of episodes we have kind of in a row, and that's the first we've had. Well, before this, we, there's just been sporadic episodes that are available where you have one, and then three months later you have another episode, and then and maybe it's part of a, of a bigger story arc and that sort of thing, and uh, so you don't get the full impact that you do now of these episodes we're going to be playing. Uh, this episode is the second part of a three-part episode, and uh, But we do have the third part, which is pretty cool. It would be really nice to have the first part, but I'm thankful we have the second and third part. And then we have another episode that's from a couple weeks later. So this is kind of a neat little batch we're going to share with you from the end of the 1932-33 season from 80 years ago. Uh, another thing that makes this episode unique is that it really shows how far ahead of his time Jack truly was because he does something here that he I don't think he does very often. He might do it some later time. I'm just drawing a blank as to when. But he's 
what he's doing what we would call now a mashup. And of course, a mashup is where you take like two songs. Uh, it could be, say, a Beatles song and a um, ACDC song or whatever, and you and you put them together and make them a new thing out of these two songs. Well, in this case, uh, Jack is taking uh, the movie Sherlock Holmes and the movie King Kong and mashing them up to create something new. He also has a character called the Shadow in it, and I haven't, I don't know if this is truly a reference to the actual Shadow or not. Uh, this would be before uh, the Shadow um, was played by Orson Welles and that sort of thing. This is when the Shadow was more of a, a, a background character that introduced uh, uh, shows, uh, um, suspense shows, I believe, on the radio. But uh, someone that knows more about the Shadow uh, can tell me what was going on with the Shadow in 1932-33, because I'm not sure off the top of my head. So uh, any of you Shadow uh, fans out there, please tell me what was going on and whether this is based on the Shadow uh, pulp magazines or the Shadow radio show or neither. Um, anyway, interesting episode with all this going on. Um, and of course it'll be interesting to hear part two as well. Uh, well, part three, I guess, as well. Um, just fun to be able to bring these to you. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time for some more Jack Benny. The Chevrolet program, starring Jack Benny with Frank Black and his orchestra. Frank Black opens the program with Charlie's Home. on the billboard, reading, Every minute someone buys a new Chevrolet. Watch for these new signs, my friends, and bear in mind when you see them, they're signs of better times. They're signs of bigger business for the world's largest builder of motor cars. Also, they're sure signs that the one best buy in the low-priced field must be Chevrolet. America certainly wouldn't buy Chevrolets at the astonishing rate of one every minute unless Chevrolet were the one best buy at its price. And that's exactly what it is. The only car in its field with a Fisher body. The only one with Fisher no-draft ventilation. With a cushion-balanced engine mounting. With a time-proved six-cylinder power plant. A starter rater. An octane selector. And no other full-size car in the world is so economical on gas and oil and upkeep. Or so dependable. In view of all these things, do you wonder why? Every minute, someone buys a new Chevrolet. <laughs>
about some more. This is your New York correspondent, Jack Benny, the Earth Galloper, coming to you with all the late news reports with the courtesy of the Weekly Watch, the news that brings out all the dirt. Okay, Frank, let's go. Thank you. Uh, Chicago, Illinois. World Fair gets off to good start with many notables arriving daily to represent their respective countries. Sam Insull will represent Greece. Jimmy Walker will represent France. And Black's Orchestra will represent Russia. Scotland sends Harry Lauder, C.O.D. Jack, Jack, another wire just came. All right, what is it, Mary? Quick. World Fair, Chicago. Marlene Dietrich just arrived representing Pennsylvania. Mary, go away, will you please? Bombay, India. Mm, more Gandhi news. Mahatma Gandhi finishes 21-day fast and is now wearing a cigar band. When last seen, he was mistaken for a panatella. Babylon, Long Island. Man and wife discovered here with 16 children. Stork found dead on scoop. Overworked, eh? You know. Ah, special cable dispatch. Frank Buck and Jimmy Walker will sail for America shortly. Buck will bring them back alive, and Walker will bring them back a wife. Glasgow, Scotland. Glasgow, Scotland. Harry Lauder, also sailing for America. Local citizens give him big blowout by putting Tack in his rear tire. Pretty good for Scotland. And now, folks, we have also added a want ad column to our paper as we cannot exist on circulation alone. So take down these addresses if you are interested. Traveling salesman wanted. Must be familiar with traveling, salesmanship, farmers, and farmers' daughters. Address box 482, this paper. Wanted, 30 chorus girls. Apply Minsky's Theater, New York. Wanted, three more chorus girls. Apply to Melton, Black, and Benny. <laughs> Got you in on this, Frankie. For sale, baby grand piano by lady with electric attachment. Well, <laughs> girls wanted to knit sweaters for Kat, Broomberg, and Riley. Hmm, the boys must be told. Woman 55 will trade a Pekingese dog and a canary for slightly used husband. Realizes mistake. <laughs> Address RFD4, Pump Handle, Ohio. Female help wanted. Good secretary. If good looking, don't have to be so good. Jack, can I read one now? Go ahead, Mary. Wanted. Good master of ceremony for Chevrolet program. Graham. Wanted. Howard Claney to say something about Chevrolet. Oh, yes. You will find that Chevrolet saves you on oil, gas, Play, Frank. Don't, don't, don't wait for this. Play. Don't wait. Don't wait. Play, Frank.
That was uh, My Darling from the Vanities, played by Frank Black and his orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen... We continue with our penthouse murder that was started last Friday. You all remember our terrible murder mystery last week? Well, it's terrible this week, too. (laughs) (laughs) Who killed Mr. X? You remember, folks? Mr. X was killed in his penthouse a week ago tonight between 8 o'clock and the bathroom. And the only clue found was a hot dog running away from a stand in Coney Island. You may also remember that during the trial, we were unable to place the guilt where it belonged. Darbo had to go home, May West had a date, and the other prisoners were not interested. So it still remains a horrible, unsolved mystery. Who killed Mr. X? I said, who killed Mr. X? Oh, pardon me. Yes. <laughs> Watch those cues. Now, uh, what could have been the motive for this crime? Let us analyze it. Mr. X. Mr. X was the landlord of three apartment houses, so you see he had no enemies. He lost every cent in the market. His wife was pressing him for back alimony, and he had incurable rheumatism, so there was no reason for suicide. Now, what was it? How old was he, Jack? Ninety-five. And he did not die of old age. Neither will you, Mary. Uh, what did he have to suffer the night of the crime? Liver. Then it couldn't have been a heart attack. No, Mary, it couldn't. A pipe was pulled out of his mouth, and he was examined carefully. What kind of a pipe? A gas pipe. Oh, well. Oh, well, a little gas never hurt anyone. I know. Well, anyway, folks, we've had two detectives working on this case. Detective Melton. Detective Melton, you've been out on this case a week. Yes, sir. What have you found? I found a place where you can get a sandwich and a glass of beer for a nickel. <laughs> Mary, take down the address, but that doesn't help solve the mystery. Detective Claney, what did you find? I find that every minute of the day, someone buys a Chevrolet. Well, now we're getting someplace. After all, that's what we're here for. Did you find anything else, Claney? Yes, but the Chevrolet has the Fisher no-draft ventilation. That's great. Now, all we have to find out is who killed Mr. X. Jack, why not put it in the hands of Sherlock Holmes, who understands crime? You're right, Mary. We'll get Sherlock Holmes, the man who sees all, knows all, and plays the fiddle. Hey, Jack. Jack, wait a minute. Yes, Jimmy? I hate to interrupt your mystery, but do you mind if I sing my song now? Oh, no. Pardon me, Jimmy. I... Go right ahead. Uh, what are you going to sing? Huh? Franz Lehar's uh, Frasquita Serenade. I know that, Jimmy. I just couldn't pronounce it. You know, play, Frank. Play, Frank. In the silence of the night, when the moon is shining bright, and the world at last is fast asleep, every creature goes to rest in his cozy little nest, just his very Of mine, of a starry blue divine. 
such a little home was never known. If a parent had a vow, waiting for the magic hour, glorified with you, and through your love Sherlock to you. 
Call, uh, call Dr. Watson. Dr. Watson, the boss wants her. Okay, I'm coming. Well, Sherlock, what's new? Watson? Watson, we have much work ahead of us. Mm-hmm. By the way, you've been eating herring. Is that right? Sure. But tell me, Sherlock, how did you know it? That's elementary, Watson. Besides, I can smell it. Sherlock, you're a genius. Watson, you're a lit boss. <laughs> you know, Watson, you're really supposed to be an Englishman. Uh, well, I say, Mr. Holmes, I'll try, you know. Uh... Mm-hmm. I like the other dialect better. <laughs> All right. What do you want? Watson, mm-hmm. we have a strange mystery to solve. Mr. X was killed in his penthouse, and we start working on the case today. Mm-hmm. All right, but before we start, why don't you eat something? You're always working. Now, I just made some nice homemade soup. What kind of soup? I made some chicken, vegetable, and noodle. Which do you want? Quick, Watson, the noodle. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We leave. We leave, Watson. We leave for the Empire State Building in ten minutes. The Empire State Building. Pack your bag and hand me my violin. I've got a lot of thinking to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I must think. They laughed when he picked up his violin, but when he started to play, they screamed. Quiet, Mary. Quiet. I must think. I must think. Come, Watson. A thought just struck me. We must get to the Empire State Building in a jiffy. Why in a jiffy? My Chevrolet will get us there just a sleep. And much safer. The time clock you show signs of intelligence. You have just heard what these two famous detectives have said about the Chevrolet. It is quick, safe, and dependable. That's elementary, Claney, and get out of my study. Yeah. Come, Watson, we must hurry. And by midnight, we will find the murderer of Mr. X. Sherlock, you're uncanny. Watson, you're nuts. Come, let us away. <laughs> Thank you.
have just heard Playing with the Devil. And now we take you to the lobby of the Empire State Building where we meet Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Tell me, Sherlock, why did you come here to the Empire State Building? What has this got to do with the murder of Mr. Hex? Watson, I'm surprised at you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. While playing the violin, I made the following deduction. Mr. Rex was killed by some gorilla here in New York. You follow me? A gorilla was seen climbing up the Empire State Building with a girl in the palm of his hand. And is at present on the tower. How do you know? I saw the picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, now if he could climb up a building the size of the Empire State, why couldn't he have climbed up that penthouse and killed Mr. X? You mean the gorilla of King Kong? Of course, of course. Who else is covered with hair like that? George Bernard Shaw. Well, he didn't do it. <laughs> well, here's the elevator. Mm-hmm. What floor, Captain? Uh, we want to go to the tower. That's the 102nd floor, boy. Yes, 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 yes. I know that. Uh, when will we arrive? Sunday night, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Sherlock, that elevator boy looks very suspicious and very family, too. I think so. What's your name, son? My name's Jim Melton, sir. Oh, sure, Jimmy. He's our tenor of Austin. Mm-hmm. Say, Jimmy, I hate to ask you this, but did you, uh, did you kill Mr. X? No, sir, Jim. I didn't kill him. I was a lady killer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quick, Watson, the needle. Ow! And cut out those jokes. Hmm? Well, we have two days in this elevator. Two days. Mm-hmm. I must keep my mind occupied. Mm-hmm. Hand me my saxophone. That was Stormy Weather, brought to you through the courtesy of the Chevrolet Motor Company. On in second floor, all out. Mm-hmm. Sunday got here quick. Mm-hmm. Now be careful, Watson. And very quiet. Very quiet. Please follow me around the edge of the roof. We must use our wits and trap him. This fellow King Kong is the biggest creature you have ever seen. He eats elephants like you eat salami. You must have? That's elementary, Watson. <laughs> come. Come, follow me. <laughs> The drummer just dropped the cymbal. Frank, keep the boys quiet, will you? Just a moment. Watson, don't move. It's so dark up here. Why didn't we come up here in the daytime? Quiet, quiet. Go ahead. I'm right behind you. I'd sooner be behind you. Watson, look. Look carefully. Carefully. Mm. You see that figure standing there in the doorway? Yes. Look, look. Somebody is handing him some money. Oh, that's Harold Smith. You know, he runs this building and he's collecting the rent. Hello, Al! Ah, you, Jim. You're wrong again, wrong again, Watson. What is that, Sherlock? Mm-hmm, that's King Kong. He's here, all right. Keep down, Watson. He mustn't see us. Be careful, Sherlock. I think he sees us. Grab him, Watson, and don't let him get away. Thank you. <laughs> look, look, he's got the girl right in the palm of his hand. It looks like Mary Livingstone. Wait, wait. It is Mary. Mary, Mary, what are you doing there with King Kong? There's something in his eyes that makes me realize he got me in the palm of his hand. The thrill of his Mary, we must rescue. We must rescue Mary from that route. I'm not afraid of him. Hey, King Kong! What's the idea of climbing buildings and carrying women with you? 
Well, it's always a sport, and I just love the fresh air. <laughs> Is that King Kong? I'll get him. Wait, wait, Watson. It may be a trick. Now, look here, Kong. You've been climbing buildings, dragging people out of their beds and murdering them. Hmm, hmm. Did you climb up to the penthouse on Park Avenue and kill Mr. X? No. You lie. You did born to murder Mr. X. Why, you're big enough to eat him alive. Well, I did have eggs for breakfast this morning. Then you, uh, then you admit that you killed him. No, 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 no. Take him away. Take him away, Watson. Goodbye, Mary. I'm sorry. I can't play with you anymore. Goodbye, Paul and Harry. Come up again. I'm sorry. Well, well, it didn't take us long to get him. Did it, Watson? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's that? It's me, the voice of the shadow. What do you want? You think you've got the murderer? <laughs> well, King Kong did not kill Mr. X. Then who did? Mr. X was killed. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this mystery will be continued next Friday night. But there's no mystery about the Chevrolet motor car. It's the best buy in America today and the nation's choice. Play, Frank.
you see or hear the figures 445 FOB Factory, always think, my friends, of Chevrolet, of the new Chevrolet Standard 6, the car that made $445 famous, of the smart, fast-stepping Chevrolet that gave a new meaning to 445 by giving so many wonderful new features for that wonderful low price. A Fisher body, a big, comfortable interior, Fisher no-draft ventilation, safety plate windshield glass, an octane selector, a low-to-the-road chassis that rides smoothly and steadily, and a six-cylinder valve and head engine that's not only one of the snappiest on the road, but listen to this. Some Chevrolet Standard 6 owners report gasoline mileages as high as 26 miles to the gallon, and nearly all of them are getting between 18 and 24, depending on how they drive. So if you have a minimum of money to spend on a new car and want that money to do you the most good, to bring you the most fun and the greatest savings in return, pay for the new Chevrolet Standard 6, the big General Motors value that made $445 famous. Our program for tonight. Be sure and listen in next Friday. Try and figure out for yourself who killed Mr. X. Mary, Mary, hand me my violin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a singer. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Good night, folks. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. W-E-O-S, New York.